It's June 9, 2019. The Toronto Raptors are up 3-1 against the Golden State Warriors. Going to share my thoughts on the Malia Davis story. Still haven't replaced the batteries in my smoke detector, so I apologize in advance if it sounds like there's a full court press in the background. We're going to go across the lines with Tim Duncan and The Undertaker. Hater appreciation for certain Hollywood storytellers. And Stevie got a new job. All right. Across the country and around the world, across the street and around the corner, this is Over the Culture. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Over the Culture podcast, where you get to hear my spin on things I like, like music, sports, sports entertainment, movies, TV shows, and your mom. You also get to hear about things that I don't like, like Steph Curry, Disney, and pretentious Hollywood directors. Hello, everyone. I am your bastard of ceremonies, the one gig kid, Steve G. And this is over the culture. So today I want to start off by uh, asking those of you listening, uh, the prayer warriors, uh, spiritual healers, what have you, uh, whatever your belief is in, uh, to send some positive energy to my family. Uh, my great grandmother, uh, I'm thankful for her to still be here with us. Uh, she is 91 and lately she's been in and out of the hospital. Uh, my brother, I just found out last night that, uh, he had to be taken to the hospital as well. Uh, so, uh, the, there, there are two people in my family that are really tough individuals. Uh, my brother and my great grandmother, they, they are my heroes. They, they are, uh, some of my heroes, um, my, my brother, he's very resilient. Um, me and him are alike in a lot of ways and we're different in a lot of ways. And what I've always admired about him is that he's really good at taking things on a chin. Uh, you know, and, and the thing about life, man, it's, you, you can be a good guy. You can be a good gal and life can just kick your ass randomly, surprisingly. And, you know, you can be doing everything that you were told by the book, you know, minding your own business, minding your P's and Q's and life can just come up like, hey, you want your ass kicked? And you're just like, no, nah, man, you know, I, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to do me, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, do the best I can and life would be like, so what? I want to kick your ass. And, you know, you're just getting left jab, right jab. And uh, to the point where, you know, it, it, it can make you question your faith. And um, I'm trying not to let that happen, uh, you know. So to my brother, D, if, you, uh, if you're hearing this, buddy, um, man, we're we going to get back together. We're going to get back together, man, and you're going to get out of there. And we're, we're going to make some magic here in this world. You still got a lot of living to do. Grandma, I love you. You still got some living to do. Your time's not up yet. So I, I would greatly appreciate it to please send some positive energy to my family. Because uh, we, we've been through the ringer lately and um, we could really use it. Another family that could use it is the family of Malia Davis. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have heard. Uh, it's it's gotten to the point where it's made national headlines. 
uh, four-year-old girl here in Houston. Um, she was missing for a couple of weeks and uh, there were a lot of questions as to like what happened to her. And the story goes that the mom left her in the care of the stepfather, uh, Darian Vance. And they share a son together as well. And uh, they saw him on the surveillance uh, at the apartment that they lived at, uh, tampering with evidence. They saw the girl going into the apartment with him. And then you don't see her anymore. And the, and the, the stepfather... He claims that on his way to pick up the mother, uh, Ashley Bowens, from the airport here at uh, George Bush International, uh, she was out of town for her father's funeral, and he was on her his way to pick her up. And along the way, he had to make a stop and change his tire. And the story he gave was that a car of, of Mexican men uh, jacked him and took his car and he was laid out on the side of the road and he didn't wake up until the next day. Now there's already a red flag because the route to get to George Bush airport is pretty busy 24 seven. So there's no way possible for someone to be laid out on the side of the road without police intervening uh, before you make it to the next day. And uh, he said that by the time he, he came to, his car was gone and Malia was gone, you know, but yet his son is still here. His son's still alive. And eventually he confessed that he knew where the girl was and he opened up to Quanell X uh, a prominent figure here in Houston, uh, one of the leaders of the Nation of Islam, uh, you know, the regional chapter here. And he, he told her, he told him that uh, her, her body was on the side of the road somewhere in Arkansas. So they tracked the body down and it was a bag of her remains. And the guy is, is guilty. He was guilty from day one. And now they're saying that the mom should be held accountable too. His rational, his rationale for this is that he was always taking care of her. Uh, the mom was negligent. Uh, he was always left to watch the kids while the mom was busy working or just being out in the street, whatever. And if that's the case, you know, shame on her. But that still does not give him a reason to do what he did. And we still don't know the full details as to how the little girl died, but uh, it's just a sad case because this girl, it, it seemed like she didn't have a shot from the beginning. Uh, a year prior when she was three, she had to be taken, her and her siblings had to be taken by CPS because there was a, a huge welt. And I'm sure you can find this on the internet where uh, she had this big bump on her head and they said that she fell. And so she's been, she was dealing with a lot of abuse early age. And now she's not with us. And it's really unfortunate. The parents of Darian Vance, they're saying that their son is innocent. And, you know, they're just saying that because that's her their son. 
you have to take yourself out of the situation and look at it for what it is. This guy is a piece of shit. He deserves to be under the jail. He deserves to be in hell. I'm just going to say it. Um, I, I don't have children myself, but I have little cousins. And they need their parents in their life. They need responsible parents. They need to be shown love. They, they rely on us for a lot of things. I think the mom should be in jail. There's just a lot of red flags in this whole story. Today at City Hall here in Houston, uh, they're, they're going to light up the town with pink lights. And, you know, that happens to be Malia's favorite color. Uh, pink lights. So. As days go by, I'm sure we'll get more details um, but yeah, uh, Darian Vance, uh, he says to Quan LX that, you know, he, he was just fed up with constantly having to take care of the children by himself. And he proposed to Ashley Bowens, uh, only to have his ring returned to him. She didn't want to marry him because she found some naked pictures of him sent to a man and she put the word out that he's gay and apparently that's what sent him over the edge and uh you know from the sound of it he went into a blind rage and he took all of that out on a four-year-old girl you're going to get what's coming to you i really do believe that even though good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people um, if you able to push through and just don't let the sit situations and the circumstances change who you are as a person, eventually it will come back full circle. But you, Darian Vance, oh man, man, it's going to be trouble for you one way or another. Let's say you were able to beat this case. You're not going to make it too far walking these Houston streets. And I'm going to leave it on that note. So I got a new job and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, want to know what it is? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you. Now you want to know what? Okay. I'm stripping now, guys. Sorry, mom. My stage name is Chocolate Rain. Coming to the main stage. Now, uh... But no, seriously, I'm not going to tell you what I do, but I, I do have a new job. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I uh, just went through my first week and I, I never really liked the interview process. It's so pretentious and you have to put on your, your best version of yourself. And I'm 35. I, I don't really like fronting. I, I like to just be you know open and honest. Uh, one of the things I don't like in a job interview is when... The interview is telling me about how everyone hangs out after work. We're, we're like a family. Save me with that. I kind of want to get up out of the interview when they say that bullshit. I have a family. I have friends already. How do you know I'm going to like everybody at this place? Because I know I'm not.
I've had several jobs in my life. And there's always going to be at least that one or several people that I'm not going to like. And that's okay. That's just life. That's how this world works. Everybody's not, not going to like you. And you're not going to like everyone. I actually look for it. When I start a job, who am I going to hate? Where's he at? Where's she at? Who's going to be my enemy? Because that helps make me. You got to know your enemy. You got to find them. I seek them. Hey, we all hang out. We go bowling and da 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 da. We go out eating and no, no, no. I pass. I probably don't like you, interviewer. Don't show me pictures. I don't care about, you know, pictures of your family and dog. Actually, yeah, show me pictures of your dog. I, I might want to hang out with your dog. I might like the dog better than you. How about that fly shit? But wish me luck, guys. Steve got a new job. Getting paid, getting paid. So Toronto takes game four, 105 to 92 in Golden State. Take that, take that. And Pascal Siakam drops 19 points, five boards, one assist. Kawhi Leonard, the last man of Cornrows. Thirty-six points, twelve boards, two assists. Kyle Lowry, ten points, seven assists, and two boards. And coming off the bench, Serge Ibaka. 20 points, four boards, one assist. And for the bad side, Draymond Green has 10 points, 12 assists, and nine boards. You almost got that triple double. Almost, Pink Mouth. Almost. Steph Curry with 27 points, 6 assists, and 4 boards. Clay with a K. Thompson, 28 points, 3 boards, and 2 assists. And Looney hobbling all over the court for 10 points. Now, I said after game one, Serge Ibaka had to step it up if they wanted to be serious about this. And 20 points off the bench, yeah. That can do it. Yeah, man. What a Wookiee. Ibaka. I really like Kawhi Leonard. The last man of cornrows. He's a man of the people. He's a team player. There's no... Hooping and hollering, just brings his lunch pail into work, gets the job done, does his press conference, man of short words, goes home, gets ready for the next game. Game five, we need to repeat this, and you're going to be in Toronto, and Aubrey's going to be there, and he's going to be getting in their head. Yeah, Drizzy. If I wasn't a fan before, I'm definitely a fan now. I really appreciate your pettiness 
as a basketball fan, as a representative for the Toronto Raptors. Initially, I said the six and six, but Toronto could take them in five. Let's go. You're not the baby Raptors anymore. You're not the baby dinosaurs. You're at the big boys table. 3-1. 3-1. Golden State. Remember? Remember? Here's the thing about Steph Curry. I don't need to be reminded how great of a player he is. I don't need to be reminded how great the Golden State Warriors play as a team. They're supposed to play great as a team. They literally have a USA basketball team. DeMarcus Cousin has won gold medals. Klay Thompson with the K has won medals. Steph has won medals. Pink Mouth has won a medal. Andre Ugly Dalla is a finals MVP. They're supposed to play like a well-oiled machine. That does not impress me. This is what you're supposed to do when you have a blockbuster squad. This isn't David being Goliath. This isn't the same as the Detroit Pistons beating the Lakers. They played well like a team, and they beat the monster. So miss me with that. I know the man can shoot. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He's America's darling point guard. How can you hate Steph Curry? How can you hate Steph Curry? He's He just shoots everywhere. He makes all of his three-pointers. He's just phenomenal. He's so great. He's perfect. He pisses gold and shits myrrh. How can you hate him? It's easy. Fuck Steph Curry. Yeah, you're a great player, but that doesn't mean I have to like you. And you, Steph Curry, Golden State, bandwagon apologists, getting into your fields. This is all sports. This is all fun and games, man. I'm not urging people to ransack the Curry home. I'm not asking people to put a hit out on Clay. With the K, but you know whose house did get ransacked? You know? You want to know who? Yeah, that's who. The same people who get up in arms when I talk shit about Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Where's that same energy when someone literally did this to... And I just think that's above and beyond. It's way above and beyond. This is just sports, people. I talk about how much I hate this team, how much I hate the players. It's just that. I go on with my life. People talk shit about LeBron James all the time. Some people I know. Do I get on every post? Oh, why you gotta say that about LeBron? Why you gotta, oh my God, you hurt my feelings. Spank my mama's titties. Why you gotta say that about LeBron? Oh, why? Just why? No. But you motherfuckers do this for Steph Curry. Curry. You wanna date him? This is, this is the thing. If you're a fan of LeBron James, people automatically say you're a bronze sexual. And, and where does this, where does the, the, the sexual uh, homo glorification, where, where do these connotations come into play? 
This was never done when Michael Jordan was playing. This never happens with Steph Curry. But the people who love Steph Curry, they're doing exactly this. Man, he's so great. They're, they're just, oh, man, he he's, he's everything, man. Oh, man, I want to kiss him in the mouth. Oh, man. Watching WWE these days is pretty difficult. I, I kind of have to force myself to watch it uh, Mondays and Tuesdays just to stay current and uh, know what's going on. Um, they, they keep bringing out Roman Reigns, and it, it really makes me sick to the stomach because he has no mic skills. His moveset is about three moves, if that. Uh, he, he does a poor man's spear. And his finisher is the Superman punch. And I, I feel like that's a move that a, a nine-year-old does on the playground when, when he's trying to get one over on the bully. I like Brock Lesnar. Uh, I think he's funny with what they're doing. Um, they, they keep bringing him on and off. Uh, and I feel like they don't know what they want to do with him. He's just a, a draw. You know, he's a moneymaker. Uh, people will come to see him fight. Come to see him wrestle. Um, but, you know, I, I just think they're not using him right. Uh, they they need to build a better feud. Uh, I, I like Seth Rollins, uh, but I like him better as a heel. Seth Rollins as a, as a good guy, I, I'm just not buying it. Uh, I like the fact that they still have the belt on Kofi Kingston. He is the first uh, African-American to get Vince's belt. We've had Booker T., but he had the old WCW belt. And, you know, of course, we had The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. But, you know, of course, he has ties. His family uh, is a big uh, wrestling family that's been in the industry uh, since, you know, his grandfather was wrestling. His father was wrestling and his mom uh, is, is a part of a big Samoan family. Uh, you know, his cousins are wrestling, Roman Reigns being one of them. His uncle... His uncles were the head shrinkers. And, you know, he's related to the Wild Samoans, another legendary tag team from back in the day. But, you know, like I said, he he's half black, half Samoan, even though Samoans are black. Um, but Kofi Kingston is the first 100 percent African-American. And, th and this was relevant to me as a sports fan growing up. Um, this isn't to take away from the rocks awesomeness. Uh, but it's important to me because I think it's more of a Vince thing. Uh, it's been said that Vince has been kind of racist over the years. Uh, we've had some great wrestlers from Junkyard Dog to Booker T, uh, Ahmed Johnson, uh, Ron Simmons. You know, there's been a lot over the years, but they just never got Vince's belt. They could win the tag team belt. They would win the Intercontinental belt. But they never won Vince's belt, the belt that Bret Hart had, the belt that Hulk Hogan had, Ultimate Warrior had, you know, Shawn Michaels. So, you know, watching him win and the fact that he still has the belt after about three months, you know, that's major. Um, but at the same time, the product itself, it's pretty hard to watch. Uh, just yesterday... Or on Friday, they had Super Showdown, and the main event was Goldberg versus The Undertaker. And this would have been a great matchup if this was 1997. But, you know, seeing these men 
pat well past their prime and, and i'm a fan of both uh you know they they didn't get the response that they wanted from the crowd they actually booed them out of the ring uh undertaker i believe he had almost a concussion goldberg admitted he had a concussion because they both botched their finishers goldberg could barely lift undertaker for his jackknife and he dropped the man right on his head undertaker uh, spoiler alert, he tombstones Goldberg for the win and he drops him right on his head. Now, I don't know if this is a, a, a get you back from from messing up the move on me or what, or if it's just, you know, you're past your prime and you just don't have the skills anymore. But it's, it's pretty saddening to see these guys who I, I grew up watching, uh, grew up loving as a fan and just, you know, they just can't let it go. It just can't leave the game alone. But here comes AEW. They're the new kid on the block. And there's been a lot of hype around their their uh, debut pay-per-view. And, you know, even though it's their first pay-per-view, um, you know, they're, they're kicking up a lot of dust. They're making a lot of noise. They're taking a, a lot of good talent from Vince's uh, roster. And a lot of people, the people who are still there are talking about leaving and, and doing the same thing. But... At the end of the day, Vince will do whatever it takes. He'll he'll pay that cost to stay on top. I remember when WCW consistently beat WWF for 83 weeks straight. And over time, Vince figured it out. And he came up with these great ideas. He had the right uh, people on his writing staff. And... They turned the tide and they ended up buying WCW. WCW went bankrupt. Uh, they couldn't they couldn't stay afloat. So if it gets to the point where AEW is a major threat, I, I still got my money on Vince. I really don't think Vince is just gonna lie down and take this. He's gonna pull whatever stops necessary to make sure his company is numero uno. Today in sports history, in 1946, Joe Lewis knocks out Billy Kahn in eight rounds for a heavyweight title. In 1978, Larry Holmes beats Ken Norton Sr. in 15 rounds for the heavyweight title. And special mention to Larry Holmes, who has to have the funniest uh, feud or beef in all of boxing history. In 1981, he had a fight with Trevor Burbick. But 10 years later, in 1991, things got personal when Trevor Burbick started making public attacks on Larry Holmes' family. And this led to one of the, this could be the funniest or one of the funniest moments in boxing history. Uh, Larry Holmes gets on top of a parked car and he straight up drop kicks Trevor Burbick. And you have to see the footage on YouTube if you can. And, uh, he connects it. Like I, I gotta give him his props. Uh, only Shawn Michaels can rival this drop kick. He hits him with both feet off of the top of the roof of a car. And you, you just gotta see it. Here's some of the footage. Hey, 
He drop kicks the man while wearing a early 90s sweatsuit and he has this flat top that he's still holding on to today. Uh, Larry Holmes is a funny dude without even trying to be funny. Um, but like I said, you got to see this footage. Larry Holmes attacks Trevor Burbank. It's must see internet TV. Niggas looking like Larry Holmes flabby and sick. In 2017, Venus Williams is involved in a car crash that leads to a fatality. It was later confirmed that the unidentified male, 78 at the time, uh, was the one at fault. And that was my half-assed sports report. And next, I'll be going more in-depth with The Undertaker, the dead man walking. As we go across the lines, we'll be black after these messages. Undertaker is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, easily in my top 10, depending on what day you ask me, could be in my top five. Tim Duncan, one of my favorite players of all time, uh, easily in my top 10, depending on what day you ask me, could be in my top five. They're both Texas legends. The Undertaker, born in Houston, Texas. He went to Waltrip High School. Uh, also, my buddy, Caleb Canino. My partner in rhyme, uh, who you may hear on some of the songs played here on Over the Culture. He, he spent some time at the high school. Uh, Patrick Swayze as well. And Tim Duncan, of course, played for the San Antonio Spurs his whole career. Now, even though they don't have similar timelines, The Undertaker being 54, born, in Mar born, born on March 24th, uh, he's 54. And Tim Duncan, he's 43, born on... April 25th, when Undertaker joined the WWF, he made an instant mark on the world. Uh, he made his debut in 1990 with the WWF. Now, when they both debuted, they had an instant impact. 
The Undertaker made his debut with the WWF in 1990's Survivor Series. And as a kid, I was just like, whoa, who was this guy? I was scared shitless. He had a creepy manager behind him, Paul Bearer, and they both played and looked the part. Tim Duncan made an instant impact, made the all-star team his rookie year. The San Antonio Spurs, they were in the lottery before he got drafted. He was the number one pick, and they went from a lottery team to a couple years later winning their first championship in franchise history. The Undertaker, in less than a year, I want to say, of, of joining the WWF, he wins his first WWF championship. In 1997, Undertaker headlined the WrestleMania, WrestleMania 13, for the first time. In 1997, Tim Duncan gets drafted by the San Antonio Spurs. And overall, I, I look at them both as the silent killer. Tim Duncan was always known as, he, he, he's kind of like Kawhi Leonard in a way. He, he was the pre-Kawhi. You know, didn't do a lot of trash talking. He just went in, did what he had to do. For his team to win, Undertaker, only thing he said is rest in peace. He got the job done. He went straight for the big dog, Hulk Hogan, and took the championship from him. As a rookie, he was, he was still fresh. He was unfazed. You punch him, body slam him, clothesline him, he'd rise back up. Tim Duncan, he was unfazable. You couldn't talk him. Dennis Rodman couldn't phase him. And Dennis Rodman loved to play mind games. You could not phase Tim Duncan. Never could. The big games, he still looked the same. The, the finals games, his championship games, it was just like an exhibition game to him. I, I never saw him sweat. Never saw him fret. My favorite version of Undertaker, because throughout the years, he's had different styles. You know, he's had uh, different looks. Uh, I, I like him when he first came out, when he when he kind of looked like Macaulay Culkin in the face, uh, when he had the red hair. And he just looked so intimidating. And he was ready to take anyone on. Tim Duncan, throughout his career, he didn't care who you were. He was ready. Hakeem Olajuwon, hey, I'm here. Patrick Ewing, hey, I'm here. Shaquille O'Neal, what? Hey, I'm Tim Duncan. Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, what? Hey, man, I'm here. I'm Tim Duncan. The 99 New York Knicks body bagged. 2003 New Jersey Nets body bag. The 2005 Detroit Pistons body bag. 2007, my poor Cleveland Cavaliers dead on arrival. The 2014 Miami Heat body bagged. And unfortunately, they both didn't know when to leave the game. As I said earlier, Undertaker is still out here wrestling. He's 54. He doesn't look the same. His moves just don't impress the crowd like it used to. Tim Duncan, he should have retired after 2014. That would have been his best bet, but he kept playing because he loved the game. The Undertaker, he keeps wrestling because he loves the game. 
Can't leave the game alone. Game needs me. And th this is not related uh, to their respective careers, but th they they both kind of have a bland sense of style. You know, Tim Duncan, All-Star Weekend, I just remember, you know, everybody, all the All-Stars dressed up, got, you know, blinged out and wearing the, the, the current trends, the most expensive designer suits or designer outfits. And here's Tim Duncan sitting there looking like he shops at Ross 10 years ago. And that's not to disparage people who shop at Ross, but most of the people who shop at Ross aren't multi-championship NBA players. The Undertaker, outside of his Undertaker gimmick, Mark Calloway likes to dress like a biker. He's a biker guy. And, you know, I have biker people in my family, and I always thought that look sucked. They dress like power bottoms, the leather chaps, and they look like they're going to Studio 54 or something. And that was across the lines. He would step across the line. Habitually. He's a habitual line stepper. Over the week, my friend Perry, the drummer in my band Priest of Hiroshima, put together a video. And without further ado, this is the premiere of our song, Metamorphosystem. Enjoy. Function gives way to reform Before we understand there's no consolation When you let cronyism sabotage our nation Case in point, here come the elite Put your shirt off your back and your shoes off your feet Representing our vultures who overshadow the culture Don't it feel like we're getting fucked over The soldiers' blood sealed up in a barrel of oil Casualty of America's oil Corrupt cops have broke correctional system Co-trap Latinos and blacks in prison Fist to the bullshit bureaucracy To silence the people with bullshit philosophy if the meek inherit the earth, they gotta be willing to stand for it first. Does it really matter in a fight for your life? If the foot on your neck is a left or a right? When every politician in the house is bought. And they never show remorse even when they get caught. Except in this world, gotta fix it. Trying to kick it to you, but you're not listening. The problem demands your attention. Metamorphosis system, gotta be a better way than this one Break the poor man's back for the rich one Shit is sick, but we got the prescription Metamorphosis system Politics spent by financial backers Panter and panhandlers for animal practice Democracy or a hypocrisy Push forward on an envelope constantly With the demon posses, carbon copies Constitutions being used as proxy Ancient views, believed by fools No progress wearing cement shoes Always doing what you already did So you always got what you still wanna get Clawing through the webs of hate and condemnation The fuck in the country, put a condom on our nation Being killed by the sounds of silence Closed mouths don't get fed, this mindless When you seek truth, it's easier to sense evil But the older I get, the less I expect to be Doesn't really matter in a fight for your life If the 
Entertainment history. Uh, 1934 marks the first appearance of Donald Duck in The Wise Little Hen. And he's one of my favorite Disney characters, one of the few that I actually like. Um, most of those characters, they lack flavor. Uh, fuck that mouse. I, I never cared for Mickey. Uh, Disney as a brand is just very bland. The best thing that they did was just take old stories that have already been established um like those summer blockbusters that we've all grown to love from lion king to little mermaid uh aladdin you know those weren't original ideas i i, I like the ducks when it comes to disney i like Darkwing duck I like huey dewey and louie uncle scrooge i like donald uh tailspin was cool but uh you know back in the day i was i was team looney tunes bugs bunny Daffy Duck, Taz, Sylvester, Tweety, Speedy Gonzalez, the Roadrunner. Those characters had swag. Elmer Fudd, Yosemite Sam. They made you laugh. Disney, meh. It's so fucking whack. All that money and they can't buy personality for these fucking characters. They just buy old stories that people have already shown that they love. Fuck Disney. In 1980, Richard Pryor suffers burns from freebasing cocaine. Man, just say no. Crack is whack. In 2012, Matthew McConaughey marries Camilla Alves in Austin. All right, all right, all right. And that was Today in Entertainment History.
let's take the movies out of the picture. Your Toy Stories, your Little Mermaid, uh, Lion King, Aladdin. All of those are great movies. You know, as a kid, I, I grew up loving those. But, you know, I'm talking about the original characters. Um, you know, your, your Donalds, your Mickeys, your Goofies, um, all of that. Compare that to Looney Tunes roster, which is just loaded. It's a dream team of cartoon characters with so many different personalities, so much swag. And Disney, I don't even remember like at what point in my life I just realized, you know, Disney's really not all that. Team Looney Tune all day. I've never been to Disneyland. I've never been to Disney World. And I never want to. Because for one, Disney World's in Florida. And two, fuck Disney. And another thing, like, Disney, you own Star Wars. You own the Muppets. You own ABC, ESPN. You own 21st Century Fucks. And you can't afford a good app. I'm trying to listen to the NBA Finals on my way to work. And every three seconds, it just keeps buffering. I never had this issue with Spotify. I never had this issue with Anchor. Wink, wink. I never had the issue with Netflix. This seems to be an ESPN app issue. You're a trillionaire company. You bought the fucking Simpsons. But you can't afford to allow NBA fans to watch or listen to a whole game without buffering every three seconds. <sighs> but I digress. <laughs> Now, this portion of the show is where we show appreciation to our haters. Hi, haters. And this past week, Netflix released a special called When They See Us. And I've heard a lot about it. Uh, I've seen people comment on my timeline about it. And I don't want to see it because... It, it basically shows me what I already know. Even though we live in a so-called post-racial society, that couldn't be any further from the truth. So this week, I want to shed some light on Hollyweird. Because since the beginning of the film industry here in America, directors, producers have been portraying people of color, black people, Mexican people, Asian people in an unfair portrayal, in an unfair light. So what happens is people from other countries who aren't familiar with us, who haven't been exposed to being around us, when they come to America, they already have their mind made up and we all get painted with the same broad stroke. You got people moving to America who don't even know our native tongue, but they know they hate niggas. 
a uh, group that I'm in on Facebook, uh, uh, an African asked, uh, he, he, he posed the question, why are black Americans always portrayed as gangsters, as thugs, as criminals? And to that, I say, well, uh, the Hollywood producers want to make us look that way. And without even knowing us, without even meeting any of us, you already you feel like you already know what we're about. And a lot of those movies aren't made by people of color. They're made by the Steinbergs, the Bergsteins, and the, and the Bergbergs. Steens, me, myself included. Never raped anybody, never robbed anybody, never shot anybody. Don't want to. And hey, I get it. I know that there are some black people out there. I know there are a lot of black people out there who are in crime, who do shoot, who do steal, who do rob, who do rape. I know that there are Mexicans out there who do rob, who do steal, who do rape. But they all don't. How about that fly shit? But I've experienced a lot of apprehension. I see the stares. I see the mean mugs from across the way. Look to the side. Somebody's staring at me. Somebody's cl clutching their purse. Someone crosses the street. As I approach them. How do you even know I'm even paying attention to you? I might have a lot of things on my mind. And usually I do. How are we going to progress when we're being dictated by simple-minded producers out there in California eating their saltgrass sandwiches, sipping on their bamboo shakes, getting liposuction for their wife? It's a fake-ass culture out there. They're not real people. The people who make these movies about fake people aren't even real people. How about that fly shit? We're still being affected by the original birth of a nation made by D.W. Griffith. And when people watch that, it, it led them to think that all black people want to pillage their, their city and, and take their women, take their white women. And, and what I've come to realize is that those same women who are feeling apprehensive as we approach each other in the street, on the sidewalk, when they cross the street, I'm usually, they're not attractive anyway. I, I, I feel like I should call the cops on you. How dare you think that I would even want to see your body unclothed? I'm appalled. I'm ashamed. I should call the cops on you. Rape! Rape! And that's what's been happening. Even since the Emmett Till days, before Emmett Till. We still live in that kind of culture. And I'm not going to accept it. I know that there's some good-hearted people out there who aren't going to accept it, who aren't going to be dictated by some storyline in a film. This is entertainment, people. You have people moving here and they, they turn their nose up and look down on African-Americans because we've been portrayed in an unfair way. Yeah, you see us portrayed as gangsters. You see us portrayed as rapists. 
And you come here and you think we're all about that. Now, of course, this segment is done in jest because I really don't appreciate this. But at the same time, I, I do appreciate the fact that these movies, these fictional portrayals are allowing me to see who are the idiots in society. It's a first cut because I'm not a bullshit person and I don't really have time for bullshit people. So thank you, jackass Hollywood directors and producers for teaching the simple minded to cross the street as I approach them to clutch their purse because I don't want to take anything from you. I don't want to take sex from you. I don't want to take your money. But thank you for letting me know who you are. You want to cross the street? Great. Get the fuck away from me because I don't like surrounding myself by morons, dum-dums, idiots. You want to clutch your purse? Thank you, okay? Make sure you hold on to it tight so your dumb kids can eat. So, Holly Weird, in the, in the words of the great Chuck D, burn, Hollywood, burn. Disney's been on a path of world domination for as long as I can remember. Monopolizing the market, buying whole franchises, whole networks, recently starting their own streaming system to rival Netflix because you know they can't let people have nice things. And this leads me to my I-7. Why 7? Because Letterman won't let us have 10, damn it. All right. Now, it's not the best, it's not the worst, just I. And if Disney were to ever buy out Netflix, I would not be surprised. And here are the seven possible titles. If Disney bought out Netflix. Number seven. Seven seconds with seven doors. Number six, Fuller House of the Mouse. Number five, Orange is the New Black Cauldron. Number four, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse of Cards. Number three, The Defenders of Epcot. Number two, Dumbo Jack Horseman. And number one, 13 Reasons Why Lindsay Lohan Falls Off the Wagon. And that was my I-7. All right. After you watch your TV shows and movies, turn the TV off and leave those things on the TV. If we want to make this world a better place, we have to use our own judgment of character. But first, we have to make sure we have good judgment of character. 
And that sounds like a you problem. Let's not let these directors and producers dictate how we think. This wraps up the June 9th edition of Over the Culture Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.